0: what will we be pilgriming through the Pilgrim's Progress, John Bunyan's allegorical tale? And today, we've now reached the interpreter's house in, the, in his allegorical tale, and I'm joined by, well I'm Harry, I'm joined by Stephen, and I can't remember what the other guy on this podcast is, oh Jordan, that's it.
1: <laughs> Hi Harry.
2: Not funny. Hello. Not funny. (laughs) Not funny at all.
0: Yeah. Jordan keeps forgetting my name. It's a bit awkward.
2: Henry, just get on with the podcast, would you?
0: (laughs) So, we've reached the interpreter's
1: house, and effectively, what is happening here? Well, he was told um, in the last episode by Goodwill at the Wicked Gate that this is his next destination. So, we got Christian,
0: and he's just arrived in here.
1: So, this is a house? Yeah. That house. he gets the, the kind of stay in for a wee bit? Yes. He's welcomed in and I, it seems like he's given a tour. Mm-hmm. Would that be a correct understanding of what happens? Yeah, he
0: sort of comes in, meets the owner of the interpreter's house, known as the interpreter. And yeah, he's almost given a. It must be a big house with all these, all these different visions he gets in it.
1: Well, I kind of imagine, you know, like a big stately manor, you know, something like Mount Stuart yeah, on the Ards Peninsula in good old Northern Ireland. He's brought in the different rooms and shown kind of the the effects and pieces of interest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's kind of like, you know, you get in,
0: that's like when you're on those tours and you come in and you see the room and you sort of look at it, appreciate it, but then guide who's with you sort of starts explaining it. And yeah. it's it's sort of the same here. You get Christian comes in, it sort of describes what's there. And then I think on most occasions you just ask what does it mean.
1: Yeah, it's all, you can almost see him. He's got like uh yeah, this it's it's more of a a personal guided tour rather than like being given, you know, those kind of headphone lanyard things that you're given. Yeah. Um. And yeah, most of the time he ends up saying, "What does this mean?" Yeah, it's almost like
0: when you get those people and they just know so much about the house. Yeah. But like, you might have younger people helping out in, uh, on the tours, but it's the sort of the older, more experienced people, they seem to know all the wee, all the wee facts.
1: Yeah, they're not just telling you this is a dining room. But they're like start telling you like. We extroverts. Yeah. What do you make of the interpreter?
2: Well, in the edition that I have, it might be the same as yours, Stephen, actually, but there's an editor's note. Mm-hmm. When Christian's knocking at the door, it, it tells me here, that the Bunyan portrays the interpreter as an emblem of the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah. What do you make of that? Do you buy it?
2: Hmm. Harry doesn't sound convinced I don't know I think there's something to it let me read you um, a little portion that I've that I've pulled up here there's a website chempulsemusic.com slash Progress that I've been reading in conjunction with the book and a couple of other resources this is what it says here the interpreter talks to a servant and gets him to light a candle. it says that the candle's representative of the Spirit's work of illumination, and without the candle, the Christian could have a tour of the entire house, but it would be dark. He wouldn't be able to see. It wouldn't be of any interest. It wouldn't be of any profit to him. The spirit works in the life of the Christian. Yeah, to illuminate the things that we read in the Bible.
1: Yeah, I mean Paul talks about that, doesn't he, in the New Testament? About it's only by the it's only the work of the spirit that that causes. Yeah a person to be able to understand the things of god
2: is the god who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of the glory of god in the face of jesus christ
0: yeah i suppose that sounds convincing now you've explained it to me
1: (laughs) so in light of that then what do we expect to find in this house is this the kind of preparatory ground for christian becoming a Christian. I know we keep talking about whether he's a Christian or not. Mm-hmm.
0: Yes, but in some ways it is like before someone does uh, make like a sort of statement of faith sort of thing. Usually asking a lot of questions, want to know maybe a few answers beforehand so that they can make a proper decision, not one just necessarily based off Feeling or emotional, but also backed up by by truth. And I suppose in some ways, this is what this is sort of like.
1: Yeah, I think there's if we actually you know drill down into when someone becomes a Christian, you know the the confession and the repentance mm-hmm. is a response to the Spirit's yeah. work. So that you could almost get down to the the micro scale where they are seen maybe as separate things of the Spirit moves and the person responds. You know, at a, at a realistic level they're maybe not separate events but one has to precede the other mm-hmm. and so we've got him coming through after meeting with Goodwill, he is meeting the Holy Spirit and is being prodded and prompted and then I think as we see as he exits this house, he responds by walking to the cross mm-hmm. not to jump too far ahead I mean you're jumping
0: seven visions ahead, but, well, uh, so, yeah, we start off, and he comes into the, is it at the top of the stairs? Or am I making that up?
1: I don't remember stairs, no. but...
0: I've just always pictured it coming in, you know, those big homes, and it's got, like, so you come in, you've got a staircase going up, and then it splits and goes off two ways, and there's usually the wall, and then just, there's just a big portrait there, and that's where the pastor is. That's what I've always had in my head.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Uh, that's, that's very good. Except for it says here they proceeded to
0: a private room and opened <laughs> the door. Oh, does that actually? Yeah, my bad. Well, that,
1: that ruins that one.
0: And then yep. takes them into the next room where it's a bit of a dusty parlor and uh, there's these people cleaning and all the dust comes up into the, the room. Then we go into the next room and there's two little kids known as Passion and Patience. One wants everything now, while the other's willing to wait. I wonder which one's which. <laughs> yes. Well, the next one's not actually in the next room. It's just in a place where uh, we see there's a burning wall. A burning wall? Fire burning against a wall. You mean like a fireplace? Why do you think it's a fireplace?
1: I I thought it was like a fireplace. Oh. Did you think it was like a wall that was on fire?
2: Yeah. Just a random fire in a house.
1: But that wouldn't be a good thing to keep going. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> so
0: we go into the the next room, which is maybe like uh, the nice room with a wee fireplace, and there's someone trying to put out the fire, but it keeps going.
1: You see, if it's a wall on fire and you have someone trying to put out the fire, that makes them the hero. But I know from reading this that that's not the case.
0: Yeah. Right. Okay, Christian. Yes, I was wrong. <laughs>
1: you know, you might be calling someone an arsonist, who you maybe shouldn't be calling an arsonist. Mm but we'll get there.
0: Then he goes into a stately palace.
1: Yeah, is that one kind of like taking him out in a balcony to have a look? Or is this a stately palace within this manor house? I
0: don't know, because then he he doesn't really see much there, because then he goes up into a new place. He's not in the stately palace though. No. It must be like a balcony. Yeah. Because he can see the top of the palace. Uh-huh. And he's like, can we go Sorry. there? And he takes him to a room, and then this is where we see our next person, an armored man. And then we kind of contrast that in the next room of a man in an iron cage. Almost a man who's lost his faith. And then we've got a final one, which is sort of a vision of the end.
1: Yeah, I, yeah this is where we kind of almost hit, like, the movie Inception. Yeah. Where you've got this man with a dream inside this man's dream. Mandel. Christian. Saw a picture of a very grave person hang up against the wall and this was the fashion of it. It had eyes lifted up to heaven, the best of books in his hand. The law of truth was written upon its lips. The world was behind its back. It stood as if it pleaded with men and a crown of gold did hang over his head. So, who is he? What does he represent? Mm. But what means
0: this, as Christian would say?
1: What means this?
0: Well, the interpreter tells us.
2: My edition here ha- has a little side note or an editor's note. The man in the portrait says here it's an emblem of a of a godly pastor or of a a godly example. Yeah, someone
0: for us to to look mm-hmm. to and to model. Am I um? We version in the notes. Goes a step further and says it's actually based off Bunyan's own pastor, John Gifford. John Gifford. But well, that's, that's who he had in mind when he was writing this.
1: Right. So his pastor was John Gifford? Yep. All right. So that's possibly who he was thinking of when he was writing that. Well, that would make sense if, as we discussed before with the worldly wise man, he had a very specific anti pastor in mind. Mm-hmm. It would make sense if he's going to kind of illuminate the kind of ideal of a pastor and he liked his own. That's who he would recall. Mm-hmm. That would be quite an honor. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think he starts with the portrait? Do you think there's any rationale to it being the first room or the first picture?
2: I don't know. Yeah, it's a short answer. I'm not really sure. I don't know why he's put it first. I always thought it was at the top of the staircase. Isn't that right?
1: <laughs> oh, here I found a wee bit about John Gifford. Yeah, go ahead. John Gifford was the pastor of the Independent Church in Bedford, who both counseled and ministered to Bunyan during the years of crisis, when he wrestled with his own salvation and state. He was a former royalist major in the King's Army. This is how Bunyan describes uh, Gifford in his biography, Grace Abounding. He calls him, he describes his ministry as, I sat under the ministry of Holy Mr. Gifford, whose doctrine by God's Mm -hmm. grace was much of my stability and when you read that and then you
0: read the portrait it does sort of fit well
1: yeah so what have we got in the portrait here we've got eyes lifted up to heaven which speaks of focus
2: his eyes his eyes are fixed upon Jesus
1: yeah and then he's got the best of books in his hand which I can assume is scripture mm-hmm
2: I think it would be fair to assume, yeah.
1: The same book that Christian is holding at the start of the journey. Mm-hmm. Uh, the law of truth written upon his lips. What well, do you think that could be construed as?
2: I think it harkens back to, is it Malachi? We when he talks about the law of truth was, was in his mouth. There's a man here, this this portrait, this godly example, this man's committed to speaking God's truth. Yeah. and these well these three characteristics the law of truth on his lips the book in his hand the eyes that are that are lifted up to heaven they're essential for any any pastor they're for any example I mean we can all I'm sure in our minds I think of people that come to mind whenever we hear of a godly example mm-hmm. people that have been instrumental in our christian walk people who if it wasn't breaking a commandment or if it wasn't creepy uh, we might have a portrait of in our home and people who have been instrumental as i said in in our in our growth and as we mature and as christians we can see the value of that and if we want to be that and pass it on and pay it forward and, and be that for someone else the portrait here is and the, excellent example of what we should have to these characteristics
1: is it similar to kind of the idea that Paul talks about in um, Corinthians where he says imitate me as I imitate Christ and really we've got this picture up on the wall to kind of just spur whoever looks at it on to be like this because this is a holy person
2: Yeah, yeah I would say so imitate me as I am unto you, Christ. It's something even similar there in Corinthians. Um, where Paul says, like, you might have 10,000 follow or not followers, you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, but you don't have many fathers in this, this picture. This man in, in this picture is described as one of a thousand.
1: Yeah. The world behind him, the cross before him, no turning back, no turning back, is all I can think of when I read that description of the world kind of in the background of this painting. It's fading out of view. Mm-hmm. He's concentrating on heaven, as we've seen. He's pleading with man. And I suppose the, this idea of a crown hanging over his head is almost like it's maybe descending on him.
2: It's not there yet, but it's coming.
1: That, yeah, that promise, it's on its, on its way. It's, it's coming down. It's that great reward that the New Testament talks about, the mm. crown of life for those who are faithful. What about him being a very grave person? Does that seem positive or positively negative? Probably
0: positively negative, if that's a thing. But what actually is the definition of grave? I suppose grave as in grave. Somber. Somber, yeah, it's sort of like somber, serious. Do you think it's somber,
1: serious for sin? So that it is meant to be taken as a as a positive trait of this pastor.
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, if this is the, so the ideal, like leader, he is someone who's sober-minded. Yeah, like he's serious of what what he believes.
2: I think that goes hand in hand with his. Standing, pleading for men. Yeah, he's got a heart for the lost. He's got a heart to see others come to Jesus, to have that same peace, that same satisfaction and joy that he has. But he sees the the seriousness of it, and so he he's pleading. He's pleading with men. Well, he's very grave. I think he's hit the nail on the head. He's somber and and serious for the task that he has. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I mean, he's he's the interpreter kind of makes it explicit here that he's definitely a pastor mm-hmm. because he says this office of pastor is the yeah. only office that the Lord has authorized to be the guide for Christian for Christians. Is that fair?
0: Yeah. Maybe it's a bit extreme saying only.
1: Well. I think, you know, it's it's, uh, this portrait of the pastor is literally the poster boy for pastors. Mm -hmm. And he's saying pastors are given such authority. The office of elder has such authority as to be the means by which the church is to be led and guided. You know, provided they are like this, that their eyes are fixed on heaven, that they do have this heart for the lost. That they are somber and grave in this respect, and have the the book in their hand and the truth in their lips. If that's your pastor, then they are an authorized and faithful guide yeah. for difficult places. That's not to say that every pastor is going to be like that. No.
2: There's something I find pretty funny again about this. At the end, he showed him this picture, he said, "Is this this is going to be his guide?" In the difficult situations, he says, pay attention. Less than your journey, you meet with some who pretend to lead you along the right path. And that sends us, well, certainly it sends me thinking right back to the worldly wise man a few chapters before. You can almost hear Christian saying to him, Well, where were you back there?
1: Yeah, I'm just having a wee scroll back here, a wee flip back to have a look. He, he doesn't mention his past journeys to the interpreter. The way he spills his guts to Goodwill, mm-hmm. so effectively, or we could assume interpreter doesn't know about his deviation from the path, and yet there's mm-hmm. this yeah there's there's a, a sharpness to this line. I think, of you know, watch out. There are these anti pastors out there.
0: Um, just to note, going forward, the Puritans were also careful when they were dating men of God, because they wanted the real men of God and not false prophets, so I think that's also in play when he's writing about this here, because it's talking about the ideal man, what he should be, in terms of a, a pastor, a minister, not some false person.
1: Do you know what uh, J.I. Packer said about the portrait of the pastor?
0: No, but I believe you're going to tell me here.
1: Regarding... This portrait, he says, this represents the Puritan ideal of the Christian preacher in four regards. First, belief in the primacy of the intellect. Second, belief in the supremacy importance of preaching. Third, belief in the life-giving power of the Holy Scripture. Fourth, belief in the sovereignty of the Holy Spirit. Yeah,
0: I suppose that's what we're sort of discussing as well. I think... We've already covered this,
2: I guess, but what he's saying is, if we get below the surface, it's important for all Christians, whether we're 300 years ago or now or whatever, that we have examples, pastors, shepherds that are true, that are faithful, that love, that have a burden for us. Mm -hmm. Christians had encounters and meetings with evangelists. He's had meetings with worldly wise men to his advantage or disadvantage. He's had counsel godly and, and ungodly that he has listened to and, and and not listened to. But the the godly pastor, as you've mentioned, it's not one that has been given the office by another man, or it's not one that is signed up to a certain church it's it's the one that follows these these examples here who he has the world cast behind him he has that crown of gold hanging over his head Who he has that law of truth written on his lips with a book in his hand and his eyes fixed upon jesus the the author the perfecter and the finisher of our faith
1: yeah uh, just looking up here colossians paul writes To the church in Colossae, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. You get a picture there of of that pastor, that desire to, to warn every man to teach and bring up to full wisdom, to be able to present perfectly before God in Christ, Um, but doing it in the power of the Spirit, His working in me. This is not just getting the the business card of pastor so that you can kind of have a bit of sway. This Mm -hmm. is, is out of deep love and concern for those who are placed in your care.
2: And these also aren't just characteristics that are set aside for ministers and pastors, but these are characteristics that every Christian um, should seek to to harbour and to seek to see flourish and grow in, in their own lives and in their own characters. think yeah.
1: think the difference it would make if... And, again, not to try and, and correct Bunyan, but the difference it would make if, if Christian had this... Pastor, not as a portrait, but as a companion, or as a as a personal guide. You know, given effectively here by the Holy Spirit to accompany him, and then instruct him and to lead him. Even if he had him earlier, through the sly, past carnal policy, there would be such a a difference. You know, knowing that you have someone like that can make a huge amount of difference in how you grow and how you mature in faith you can see why there's that almost there's that appeal to having a pastor like that you know you can lean on and depend you know that they are concerned for you in the ways described here
2: yeah no that, 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 that's fair I suppose to to play devil's advocate or to back paintings and portraits very often
1: outlast a
2: human life? Is that the right way to put it?
1: <laughs> Are you thinking of uh, take a picture, that will last longer?
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I mean, we can go and I don't know when the Mona Lisa was, was painted. No idea. Don't when I'm... was...
1: Da Vinci? Sometime. But anyway,
2: I think one time, I mean, we can be sure that Da Vinci's not alive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But, but we can still go and we can still see his work and we can still go and admire it. We can still go and see it. It's still here. He's passed away. He's gone. But but his art, his work is still able to be seen and to inspire people even today. And so, if he was a companion, it would be well. It would be good for Christian, but it would be personal. Yeah. Whereas this portrait, I mean, you know, there could be another person come to the to the door and the servant opens up and the master takes him up, lights a candle and shows him the the portrait over again and rinse and repeat.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think there's that kind of, this is a, uh, this is a pastor that everyone needs and if, if Bunyan's modelling him off his own pastor, there's that real personal, you could almost see it as you go look at this portrait yourself and you will see your pastor. Hmm. You will not see... Um, John Gifford, you will see your minister painted in that oil painting, and there's this maybe undercurrent there of appreciate your pastor, recognize your need for your pastor or recognize what it means to be under your pastor or your elder's care, yeah, maybe Bunyan's saying here you know, go hug your pastor this Sunday. <laughs>
0: Um, that has been us on Pilgrims Podcast as we've gone through the first vision in the interpreter's house. Join us next time when we be going further into the interpreter's house. Follow us on Instagram at Pilgrims Pod and email us if you like at Pilgrims no, Pod at gmail.com. That's right. Don't forget to share this video with a friend. It's not a video. don't forget to share this podcast uh, with a friend if you can it'll be a work beneficial towards your salvation
1: (laughs) is that a promise?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, oh yeah we've got merch now so have a look at that I assume that's on our website
1: Uh, yeah
0: do we have a website?
1: (laughs) well we have anchor.fm slash pilgrimspod okay Uh, That'll take you to the podcast. It'll give you a link to the store and it'll take you to our Twitter page. Mm
0: -hmm. But until then, goodbye. Thanks for listening. Join us next time. Bye, Jordan. Goodbye. Buy a t shirt, buy a
2: mug, buy some merch. Bye. Bye. Bye.